0: Hey there, thanks for joining us at Risen King Church for a weekly sermon podcast. We pray you meet God and know that you are loved today. Be sure to visit us at risenking.life to take all of your next steps and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Enjoy the message. Look, we've been looking at Genesis, and, and the reason is, is I was recuperating from my heart attack, and I was recuperating from... Uh, all the things I've been going through, I was studying the book of Genesis and God just kept impressing on me that the way you overcome in dark seasons of your life is faith and that faith can overcome. And he showed me these different heroes of the faith and said, look, even in the book of Genesis, the first book, there's the gospel. There's the good news. And so I showed you over a few weeks the good news according to Abraham's life. But now I want to show you the good news according to one of the worst characters in the Bible. He's so bad they had to change his name. His name's <laughs> Your name's Alan, not Jacob. <laughs> we'll call you Mac from now on, though. All right, so here's one of the most important stories of Jacob's life, and I wanted us to study it together, because I think that it's one of the most important needs of your life. So this is Genesis chapter 27, I like when you read God's Word out loud with me. Let's read it together. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son... Here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt me some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. While Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat, so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So we're looking at the next couple of weeks. We're looking at Jacob. And Jacob is actually one of the most complex persons in the whole of the scriptures. In many ways, he really relates to us as a very contemporary or modern figure. You see, he has more struggles than any other person in the Bible. He has more failures, more doubts, more weaknesses. He is the most unheroic hero in the whole Scripture. Now, in this room... You are either a Jacob or you know a Jacob. But the truth is, before today, you'll realize all of us have a little Jacob in us. So what we've been looking at is in Genesis, as God unpacks through his word, the way he looked at the world, is that for the first 11 chapters, the world has been falling apart. More sin, more spiraling out in brokenness. God doesn't leave the world to itself, but rather he intervenes and he calls one man away from his home, away from his country. His name is Abraham. And he makes this promise to Abraham. And the promise is that through you, Abraham, the whole world will be saved. It will be blessed. Now, what happens, and if you look closely in Genesis and all of Scripture, is God says, through your seed... The world will be saved. The world will be blessed. And so in every generation of those who come after Abraham, there's one descendant who has this seed, this messianic seed to deliver the family. In the first generation, you have an incredible tension. You have the son of Abraham who's born to the servant, Ishmael. And you have the son who is born of the promise to Sarah. Ishmael ends up getting rejected. Sees no blessing. Sees no favor. Even though Abraham said, oh, may may Ishmael stand before you, God? And God says, no. But the blessing comes to Isaac. Now, Isaac's turn. He's leading the family. We read he's gotten so old that he's laying in his tent. He can no longer see and he speaks to his son, Esau, and he says, I want to give you my blessing. Now, this word that is used in Hebrew is really a powerful word. It's, he's saying, I want to breathe my life blessing on you. A life breath blessing. Well, Rebecca hears about this. And she doesn't want Esau to get that life breath blessing. So now the question is, will it be Esau? Will the seed of the Messiah dwell in Esau or will it dwell in Jacob? So the key word in this Genesis passage and really throughout all of Genesis is the word that signifies blessing. It's the Hebrew root B-R-K, which sometimes is Barak or Baruch. And so it's the idea to bless. Now, one of the things that you and I probably realize, if you think about it, we use the blessing and it has almost no meaning. Bless you. Matter of fact, I grew up in the South. And the way you insult someone and get away with it is you say something like this. You're as dumb as dirt. Bless your heart. (laughs) You're as ugly as sin. Bless your heart. Now, when I first came up here, when I first came from Georgia to New York, one of the things I noticed is if you sneezed in a restaurant, strangers said, bless you. Now they say, do you have COVID? (laughs) Where's your mask? (laughs) What we're really talking about, you see, is a blessing that we don't understand. I mean, Rebecca and Jacob knew they could steal it. Isaac and Esau knew it had been stolen. So, this is more than just wishful thinking. This is more than just a compliment. This is more than just something nice. Something is happening when you bless in the Bible. Listen, listen what Isaac said after he'd given his blessing to Jacob instead of Esau in verse 37. He says to Esau, I have made him Lord over you. See, the word that Isaac spoke to Jacob removed the secondary status from Jacob and made him in the status of the firstborn. I have made him ruler over you and have made all his relatives his servant. And then he says, And I have sustained him With grain and new wine, so what can I possibly do for you, my son? See, these aren't just primitive, superstitious people. They're saying something spiritual, something dynamic takes place when you bless. Would you take just a moment? Would you turn to a person near you? And would you just say this? I bless you. Now, for some of you, that felt weird. For some of you, hearing it felt weird because this person sitting near you doesn't bless you very often. (laughs) But you see, your word has spiritual dimension. Your word has emotional and psychological power. So whatever you say ends up meaning something ends up making something happen. So what the Bible teaches about this Barak, this Baruch, this blessing, is that a significant figure, a person of significance to you, when they speak words over you, those words have tremendous power. Most of us grew up with sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. But the Bible says sticks and stones may break your bones, but words can make or break me. I mean, how many of us can still remember certain things that were said, both blessings and curses? My father loved the joke, and I've told you many times, and it still affects me today, the joke where he said, do I pay you, Mike? To be good. And I knew what he was going to say, but I had to go along with the joke. And I said, No, you don't pay me to be good. And he said, Well, then you're good for nothing. And he would laugh and laugh. Now, my father wasn't meaning in a way to destroy me. He would never say, My intention is to destroy my son. But my father didn't understand. He was life breath cursing me. Because with his breath, he was saying, you're good for nothing. And anything he did didn't undo the words. So part of me and my whole life has been to prove my father wrong. Or when bad things happen or when I don't do my best, sometimes I go, I guess he was right. See, words have more than just kind of descriptors. They have power. They either bless or they curse. Now, God in his goodness has often given me people who have also affirmed me. I remember I was a freshman in college and I took an upper level course because I wanted I loved the Bible. I wanted to study the Bible. I wanted to read it in the original language. I wanted to do all these things. I wanted to, I wanted to be good at teaching the scriptures. And I took this upper level course as a freshman. And it was really difficult, and I wrote this one paper, and I still remember at the end of the paper, the professor wrote, you have a gift for biblical exegesis. I don't know what grade I got. I don't know how many other pages were marked with red. Why did you say this? Why did you do that? All I remember is that last word of somebody so significant to me saying, you have a gift for this. Are you tracking with me? You see, either they have a power to make you or break you. This is the idea of blessings. These words, they move into us. They move into the very depth of our being. But here is, here is Isaac on his deathbed. There's probably no more important word that comes than the last words of the most significant person in your life when they're about to die. And he's saying, and I I love the Hebrew here. The Hebrew says, I'm going to breathe my life into you. Wow. That's pretty powerful. So now, uh, Stephen, can you help me out here? Will you bless that computer for me? (laughs) Before I condemn it? So what I want you to understand so clearly, I think you do, but I I need you to go into a biblical understanding, which is there's the power of blessing from God's point of view. Now, this is what's happening between the father and the son here. There's a power that's released when someone who is intimately involved with another person and they look into their soul, they look into their spirit, they look look into their spiritual destiny and they speak what will be true now. And they speak what's not yet, though it is. And this is what the blessing of the Bible, this is what this blessing of the Spirit, this is what the blessing of God is. It's not just prophetic in that it's predicting. It's also ordaining. That's why this moment is so important is he's basically seeing what the future is for his son, and he's going to speak it, and it's going to be reality. And Jacob says, you can't say it to Esau. You have to say it to me. I want that future. I want that destiny. I want your blessing. So powerful. You see, the idea here is that you and I, we We've missed something. You see, we, in many ways, we have such superficial relationships with each other that we don't really see anything but surface. We see behavior. You know, we see, we see appearance. But the idea of blessing is, I see beyond that. I see beyond your mask. I see beyond your failures. I see beyond what you've done in the past. And I see your future. And I love you so much. And I believe in you so much that I speak it into being. And because my words are significant to you and your life is significant to me, those words become life-making for you. Life, breath, blessing. What are, they? What are those kind of words? They're they're affirming. They're not, in a way, they're not creating a reality. My words don't have the power to make something, to bring it into being, but my words have the power to activate what God has already promised. Amen. See, if I, if you just start with simple things and you come to me and you say, I'm, I'm really struggling with this area of my life, And you really, you're transparent and you're open. I can say to you, yes, that's true. But that's not who you are. You're a blood-bought son or daughter of God. You can decide that you're going to reckon yourself dead to sin and alive to God because you're not a sexually immoral person. You're a sexually pure person. You're not a will-bent, unable-to-make-good-decisions person. You have the spirit of Christ. You have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Nothing is being withheld from the Father for you to make good decisions. Now, I don't create that reality, but I can activate that reality with my words. And any believer who comes to you, you can affirm because it's true. You don't make it true. It is true. I'm affirming the truth. Somebody says, am I too lost? No, nobody's too lost. I've had people come to me and say, I've, I've committed the unforgivable, unpardonable sin. I'm like, no, you haven't. You're still alive. If you turn to Jesus right now, there's no sin that he hasn't atoned for on the cross. But you see, Satan wants us. To be not in affirmation, but in denial. So if we're not a community of affirmers, then we're a community of deniers. Every single person, what Jacob's story says is you need empowerment. You need somebody to say you can do it. But my favorite of all the emotional needs, to tell you the truth, my favorite is encouragement. Encouragement. Few of us really get encouragement. We're all afraid of each other. We're not terribly grateful. We're not terribly appreciative. People can do wonderful things and we can barely begrudgingly say thank you. But encouragement is even better than appreciation, to tell you the truth. Appreciation is performance-based. You only appreciate what someone's already done. Encouragement happens before anything's been done. It is a positive, unconditional regard. It is a belief in you in spite of the evidence. Who doesn't need that? Because You come to somebody and say, I know you can do this. I know, I see you, I see you victorious. I see you overcoming. Oh, yeah, I hate being around people like that. Are you hearing me? So here's what, I'm, here's what I'm, I'm saying that the blessing is. It is life, breath, affirmation. It is life of the breath of God empowerment. And it is a life, breath, encouragement. And that's what Jacob wanted. That's what he needed. But listen, how many of us have grown up in families like that? Some families say this, you know, I'm really, I, I'm really mean and critical all the times because I love you. Yes. Really? If that's love, I hate to see what hate looks like. I just want you to be ready for the world. So I make it really tough for you to live at home. Can I just say to you, this blessing that Jacob was seeking is the exact same blessing you've been seeking all your life. It really is the need behind every other need. That somebody would see you and speak a destiny to you. That somebody would see you and affirm you. That somebody would see you and say, here's the resources to get done what you've always wanted to get done. And here you can do it. I encourage you. That's what Jacob was looking for. As a matter of fact, this need that's at the root of all other needs. This is what Jacob struggled for his whole life. He struggled with his father Isaac. He struggled with his brother Esau. He later struggled with his uncle Laban. And then he comes face to face with the angel of the Lord and he wrestles the angel of the Lord. And he doesn't wrestle the angel of the Lord for anything else but to be blessed. I will not let you go unless you bless me. And you understand. He's going for a costly blessing, not just bless you like he sneezed. Here's some of the ways we see this deep need in Jacob. So he he disguises himself as Esau, takes his mother's cooking to... Isaac, and, he, and when Isaac says, Who are you, my son? He says, Well, I am Esau, uh, your firstborn. This is Jacob speaking. And when, when Isaac asks the real Esau, this is later after the blessing has been given, he goes, Who are you? He doesn't say, My son. At this point, the the, the trickery has confused Isaac so much that he doesn't know who this one who now is the real Esau, he doesn't even know who he is. And Esau has to say, I'm your son. I'm your firstborn. I'm your Esau. So this term firstborn, you see, this is where the blessing is. The firstborn, Robert Alter, who writes one of the best uh, translations and commentaries on, on Genesis I've ever read, he says that Jacob emphasizes he's the firstborn. In his response, he says, real quickly, I'm Esau, you're firstborn. And he emphasizes that piece. The reason for that is this is a traditional culture, it's hierarchical. The firstborn gets all the wealth, all the power, all control over the family. Everybody else gets nothing in comparison to the firstborn. But there's more going on here. What has happened is that Isaac has not only given a formal firstborn blessing to Esau, he's given his presence blessing to Esau. He has doted on Esau. Esau is the one he spends all his time with. You see in this that Esau hunts with him. He's, he's t- uh, tilled the soil with him. He's taken care of the sheep and, and the goats and all of this with him while Jacob has stayed in the tent with his mother. But he's not staying in the tent with his mother just because he's a mama's boy. He's staying in the tent with his mother because he's been rejected by his father. His, the narrative makes it clear. Nobody likes Jacob but his mom. He's a kind of personality nobody but his mom can like. But Esau, everybody likes. Even the narrator likes Esau. (laughs) You can kind of read. The narrator's somewhat shocked that Jacob gets such a good deal in this life. Because Esau was likable. Everybody liked him. So what is it that Jacob's going after? Well, he's going after both... The formal blessing, but he's really going out after the blessing he's been missing. And the missing blessing is this. You need the most powerful person in your life. In this case, it was his father to look at you and say, there's no one like you. You're special. I love you more than anyone else. It's to have this. He's longing for this uniquely valuable person to say, you are uniquely valuable to me. So, he wants what only belongs to the firstborn formally, but he also wants what has belonged to Esau informally. He wants what Esau has, and here's an interesting thing: he sees the faults of Esau. Esau is in, he's impetuous. He's, he's impulsive. He doesn't make good decisions. He's driven by his stomach and his appetites. Uh, you know, he's married the wrong people. All this stuff has gone on. And Jacob can say in his mind, but I'd be a much better head of the family than Esau. And he begins to justify. Yes, I know this is deceit, but I deserve this. Here's, here's a really important point. When your real needs are not met, you will meet them in illegitimate ways. And when you are the broker of your own needs being met, it will always be twisted. It will always be selfish. Here's what happens. Deprivation leads to a certain disconnection with reality. And then that disconnection with reality becomes, I'm entitled You may say to me, I don't, you know, I don't like this stuff about emotional needs. Let me tell you, if you don't know what your emotional needs are, then unconsciously your emotional needs are leading you to destruction. Anybody that ever tells me, and Christians do this quite often, you know, when I came to Christ, it's all under the, it's all under the blood. No, friend, it's all under the rug. You see, if it was really under the blood for you, you could talk about anything. It's only when it's under the rug that it has to stay hidden. So if you really have a testimony, it's under the blood, then you can talk about your past without a problem. And you can deal with your needs without a problem. But as long as it stays deceived and deceptive, then what you're going to do is your deprivation is going to lead to disconnection, which will then lead you to entitlement. And that's what happened with Jacob. Are you tracking with me a little bit? Yes. All right, that guy named Mac is, so I'm okay. <laughs> so here's the deal. <laughs> and this is, such, this is like the most important truth I can convey to you today. You cannot... You will not be successful if you're just blessing yourself. When you look in the mirror and you say, I'm smart, I'm handsome, I'm better than other people, you know you're lying. (laughs) Because if you're the best person to bless you, you've got problems. You need someone greater than you to bless you. And the truth is, you were made for the blessing of the firstborn. There is no other status that will do. Look, Jacob was willing to steal the status. Because it's so important that you have the place that your heart most longs for, which is the doting of the significant father over the firstborn son. It doesn't matter if you're you're female, if you're male, you want the status. You need the status of the firstborn. And what happens is when we try to bless ourselves, we know we're not blessed. So here is why Jacob's story is the gospel. It's because God wants to be the one who makes you the firstborn. And he wants to speak to you the status of the firstborn over you. Here's the thing. This is one of my favorite things in all the scripture. God says, I'm going to make a promise. And then he says, and I can't think of anything greater than me to swear by. Now, have you ever sworn? I'm sure you haven't, but, <laughs> but most of us, most of us, when we're when we're trying to convince somebody else, we, we say, I promise. And they say, Well, I don't trust you. Well, I promise on my mother's life. You know, I promise on this, or I promise on that. We're trying to find something more significant than ourselves to convince somebody that our word is trustworthy. We're trying to put a gravity to our word. God says, there's no one greater than me, so I swear by me. And guess what he swears? To bless you. To life-breath blessing on you. To affirm you. To empower you to encourage you. Now, how do I know this from Jacob? Now, I know the music's playing, but I don't care. It's beautiful, by the way. Thank you, miss. But stay with me for just a minute. You see, Jacob is the perfect example of how not to get blessing. So his mother says, here's food that will taste like Esau's food. And the mother says, Okay, you don't have any hair on your body. He was an early (laughs) metrosexual. I thought of that one all week. (laughs) So she puts, she puts like, she puts, you know, fur on him. So when the father feels, he'll feel this hairy son. So he dresses up in somebody else's clothes. And the last test that that Isaac says is, Let me smell you. And he had to fake smelling like Esau. So he faked the clothes, he faked the appearance, he faked the smell. And when the smell of Esau touched Isaac's nose, he says, you're my son. And the thing Jacob had been waiting for, you're my unique son. You're my, the beloved son. Everything I have is yours. All that you are and all that you will be. You'll rule this family. You'll have grain. You'll have wine. You'll have prosperity. You'll have blessing because you're my son. But you see, Jacob, who stole the blessing, knew he wasn't blessed because he was wearing somebody else's clothes. And he knew he wasn't blessed because he smelled like somebody else. He, he wasn't blessing Jacob as his unique son. He wasn't blessing Jacob as his only one. He was blessing a fake. But here, the Bible story progresses and Isaac realizes he's, he's blessed the wrong son. And he's angry at first and he says, who is this trickster? Who is this crook who has stolen the blessing and then suddenly goes oh wait a minute oh wait a minute you see when rebecca was pregnant the lord had spoken and said the younger will rule over the older Do you understand what this story says it says okay isaac he wanted the son who performed isaac wanted the son that he liked Isaac wanted it to be by law, but God said, no, it's going to be by grace. My grace will save crooks and thieves and tricksters and deceivers. And even you, Isaac, you who cannot live by grace because you want to live by law. Even in this, you have to realize I'm a God of grace. And the only way you have my blessing is by grace alone and sheer grace alone. And there's this one little part that you can't miss. Rebecca says, hey, even if you get caught, let the curse be on me. Do you not see the gospel right there? You see, she's thinking, I'm your mom. I can substitute for you. I can take the punishment for you, But She could not. Once it was discovered, the deception... The whole family is torn apart. Esau wants to kill Jacob. Jacob has to flee to another country. She loses both her sons in one day. It was much more cursed than even a mom could handle. But you and I have another story. We have a story where the very Son of God said, Let me take the curse on me. And you know what he did? He took on your clothes. He who knew no sin became sin so that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ. He took on your smell. Do you know on the cross, there's this one instance where every other time, every other time, the firstborn son, the Lord Jesus has said, Father. But when he was rejected and forsaken, when he became the curse, he didn't say, Father. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, Jesus was willing to not be the firstborn so that you can be the firstborn. And all he asked, yes, all he asked of you is that you take off your old robes and you put on his robe and make it your own that you allow that your smell is left on the cross and now you smell like Jesus because if you are in Christ, you are loved as Christ and if you are in Christ, the Father treats you just like you were Christ. Will you stand with me? Can you hear me today? I'm saying to you, no, no one in this room really can bless that deepest need that you have but there's one who can swear by himself and he has taken on your clothes and he has forsaken his status as firstborn so that he could carry your smell immorality, your impurity, your lying, your anger your your disobedience, he carried it And he became a curse so that you no longer have to live under the curse. But more than that, he, even more so than Isaac, has a life, breath, blessing for you. In his dying breath, he said, the debt is paid. In his dying breath, he breathed into your breath his life. I'm gonna ask you today, do you realize you can't bless yourself? And you can't be blessed if you're wearing somebody else's clothes other than Jesus. But today, today you can say, I received this life breath blessing. And you know, it's not just God wishing you well, it's God in you by the Holy Spirit. That's the breath of God blessed by the Son living in our lives. This is the most awesome thing to me that the Holy Spirit is Jesus' breath living right in the center of the walls of your life. Would you say this with me? I, I just feel like it's great to affirm this again. Lord, I receive your robe of righteousness, your smell of holiness, I receive the status of a firstborn son with all its rights and privileges. I take off my old clothes. I won't wear anybody else's clothes. (laughs) And you took my smell. Let him breathe on you right now. I know this is weird sometimes. in the midst of services, I see the Holy Spirit moving from person to person, just I feel like he's just breathing into you right now. the very breath, life, blessing that you need. You see, I, I can guarantee you, there's affirmation in that breath. You're my son, you're my daughter. This is the beautiful thing about being a firstborn in Christ. It has nothing to do with your gender, your age, your culture, your ethnicity. Because if you're in Christ, you are as Christ. There are no lessers and there are no greater's, For we all have the same status as Jesus. Receive that today. Receive his breath his solemn blessing over your life, then you can say, you see, then you can look in the mirror and you're not saying I'm blessing myself, but you say I'm living in the blessing with which I've been blessed. Would you just say these words? Affirmation, Affirmation. empowerment, and encouragement are mine every day. In Jesus' name, amen. two things before you go. First is this. We always ask that if you've prepared to worship God through your offering, that you would just place it in the box outside. And there are different ways that you can, you can share your, your offering with us. Now, when I was first a young preacher, 24 years old, preaching out in a country church in Mississippi, a guy came up to me after the service and said, you should have the offering after your sermon. You would get more money. So I'm going to see what happens. <laughs> See if it's still true. Second thing is this. Look, everything is different since COVID. Everything is different after this pandemic. We are are emerging from this. We want to see what God wants to do in Rockland County. We want to see what God wants to do with Risen King Church. And what one of our pastors, Thomas Park, who is over volunteers and hospitality, has set up a volunteer fair outside. We would love for you to come and volunteer. I've found that you grow more by serving than not by serving. So I'm asking you to check that out. I think there are treats and different things there that you can enjoy. But would you be a part of our volunteer family? When we, we have the opportunity, I believe God is gonna bring many people for us to serve. But we need to be ready for it and we need your help. Thank you for being here today. God bless you. Breathe that life on you. Amen.